Good morning and welcome to Celebration Church. We are live via satellite to our campus in Stevens Point as well as to the cafe, all of you here. And for the first time to our campus over in Howard on the west side of Green Bay. Good morning to all of you over there. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) It's a great day. Praise God. I want to ask everybody to stand together as well as you and watching at the campuses. Let's all stand together. Uh, having a great start over there. I got a text. There's about 300 people over in Howard this morning as part of our launch. So uh, very cool, man. Very, very cool. Well, what we do, if you're a first-time guest or visitor here, is uh, it's the one thing we all do is all of our campuses all spread out all over the place. We stand together and we recite the Apostles' Creed together as a commitment uh, of, of who we are, what we believe in. And we're going to recite that now and invite you to join with us. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ. His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. We also had, uh, for the first time in Stevens Point, our uh, uh, second service. They had to start a second service because the first one was uh, being absolutely filled up. So we uh, had two services with them this morning, and we're just excited about what God is doing and bringing people and helping us to relate to people and share the love of God with people. Uh, The fact that lots of people are coming doesn't make us uh, the smartest, most brilliant people in the world, but we're glad that we can just at least relate to enough people that they feel comfortable in coming and hearing about the love of God here. And we're excited about this. This is uh, uh, a wonderful, wonderful thing that God has been doing and we're looking forward to even greater things down the road. Just want to remind all of you guys... uh, for those of you who missed the Pam Stenzel uh, talk about sex to our young people, um, it was a powerful night. We were hoping for 200, 1,300 people showed up, and uh, it was extremely powerful. And a lot of people thought, oh, man, if I would have just known it was going to be this good, I would have invited some friends or some people thought, said later, oh, I wish I would have seen it. Well, you're going to get a chance to because we're going to replay the uh, conference that she uh, uh, brought to us. Um, November 10th, so that's not this Monday night, but next Monday night. So if you miss that, uh, make sure that you uh, come out to the campuses. Uh, I don't think we'll be doing it on the west side. Uh, we're not set up for that. But if you guys on the west side want to come here uh, and get uh, be a part of that, it's, it's a powerful thing. If you have teenage young people, bring them to this uh, thing. If they haven't heard this, come with them. Parents, come with them. Uh, it's a powerful thing. Uh, just a quick little plug. We'll talk about it uh, more over the next couple of weeks. But uh, uh, Dino Karsanakis, I don't know how many of you know him, but he is one of the uh, most uh, highly respected um, piano players in the world. This guy has played for kings. He's been all over the world, presidents. I mean, his list of who's who is truly amazing. And part of his list of who who is Mark Unger. 
I'm sure it's a real thrill for him. Anyway, we get along great, and, and uh, we become great friends over the last year, and he has asked, man, bring me up to your church, bring me up to your church. And I go, oh, so we finally said, okay, come on up. So he's coming November 16th. He's going to be in the morning service uh, with us on the 16th, and, and all of you will be able to uh, get a chance to say hi to him. But he's going to be doing a concert that night here uh, on a Sunday night, the, uh, the November 16th. It is, um, he's an amazing piano player. Wait till you hear him. We'll have him do one tune just for the fun of it. Uh, on the West Side, you guys can come here. Point, sorry, you guys can drive all the way over here. Unless we want to do, I don't know if we want to do it live by satellite. Uh, we'll, we'll talk and figure that out as we go. We're making this up as we go. But anyway, we're excited about it. I was last week, uh, for a few days, Debbie and I were in Puerto Rico, La Isla del Encanto, the island of enchantment. It was fabulous. Burger King. Flew us to Puerto Rico to speak to their, uh, you know, franchisees from all around the country about marriage and family. God bless the Whopper. Because, <laughs> because we had a riot. I'm telling man, we have been all over the world, Debbie and I. We have never been to a, a resort this posh ever. This was like Ho Chi Mama, God bless the king. You know what I'm saying? It was it was great fun. So we got a chance to speak into uh, these people's lives, and uh, you never know. We just talk basically about relationships, but hopefully opportunities will uh, will come where we can they can learn more about who we are and learn about our faith and can come to Christ. That's what it's all about at the end. Um, this week uh, we are going to Bermuda. What a rough life we have. Puerto Rico, Bermuda, it's all so much. But uh, we are going with uh, focus on the family. Uh, James Dobson will be there with the gang. They asked us to come. They called earlier this summer and said, would you be willing to come and speak to us in Puerto Rico? I mean, in, in Bermuda. I said, let me pray about it. Yes. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, so we're going to be there. It's, it's a little intimidating. I got this, this will be the third time I've done this. But, you know, talking about marriage and family with James Dobson like four feet away from you looking at you is a little intimidating. But it's very cool. We've had great fun with them. And uh, apparently I haven't insulted them too much. They keep inviting me back. So uh, that's where we're going to be now. So I will not be here next Sunday. And I usually don't tell you that. But Jim, uh, Jimmy Bratcher is going to be here. Everybody loves Jimmy. And he's got a great ministry. And he's going to be speaking to you, uh, for those of you who are just visiting, I do the bulk of the preaching and teaching here, but we also have others who come as part of our teaching team as well. Uh, my brother Ed, who's a pastor in Oklahoma, comes. He's a fabulous uh, Bible teacher, as, as well as Joel Holm. And, uh, and every once in a while, Jimmy comes in and speaks. So uh, we're excited about him coming uh, next week. Okay, <sighs> moving on. This morning, I want to bring you a message entitled, What a Difference a Day Can Make. Today is, is kind of a big day for us here at Celebration Church uh, as we've stepped out adding the second service at uh, Stevens Point. We've uh, set up a new crew in our, our campus or in our cafe down on the other side. There's almost 100 people down there this morning as well, plus the 300 over in uh, uh, on, the, on the west side. And all of this as we're just wanting to just keep reaching out to touch as many people as we can. Stepping out in faith, all of this is possible because of the support that you guys have had for this church. And uh, last week we handed out these cards for this next year to help us do what we're doing, to pay for the extra satellite time for the two services in point. That money stays there and helps uh, uh, improve the facility there. And over here, as we're doing this to help launch this other opportunity, uh, 
for no other reason than to just win people to Jesus. We want to just affect as many people as we possibly can. It's not about ego. It's not about, gee, look how big and fancy we are and we're better than anybody else. We're not. All right? This is just as God keeps opening doors and gives us this opportunity. Man, we just want to step out. I would love to uh, touch as many. My goal in my life is to touch as many people as I possibly can with the love of Jesus. And we're excited about it. Now, this morning I'm going to be talking to you about a message that I touched on this last Wednesday night on our Wednesday night Bible study. Now, if you've never been to our Wednesday night Bible study, you ought to check it out because it's a great time to really learn about the Bible. We take the Bible, verse by verse by verse by verse by verse, going through it a book at a time. Uh, it's a great way to understand the basics of, of Christianity, what the Bible's all about, all to help you become more solid in your biblical knowledge. Some of you uh, have been saved for many, 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 many years and really know the Bible forward and backward and uh, straighten me out once in a while (laughs) some of you this is all new to you you know they're just like wow it's all new I mean wherever you're at this is a great opportunity to share with you uh, about the Bible now we have been talking about we've been in Genesis and we're in uh, talking about the life of Joseph those of you in point you're on a a couple of week delay so you may not be quite there yet but we're talking about the life of Joseph and I want to share with all of you this morning just a little piece of what we talked about on uh, Wednesday night now Joseph the Bible tells us was highly favored by his father. His father had 12 sons. Uh, his name, uh, they called him Israel. That's where you get the 12 tribes of Israel. His name was Jacob. God changed it to Israel. Um, and uh, he was the most favored one of Jacob. And Jacob had uh, made him a special coat, you know, with many colors and stuff. And, and uh, his brothers didn't really like him too much. Because he was kind of a jerk a little bit, you know, he's kind of walking around with the clothes and everything else. And then God started giving him these dreams. And he would tell his brothers these dreams, man, God showed me how someday I'm going to be at the top of the heap and all you guys are going to come to me. Well, they did not like that. All right. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to have a brother you can't stand, you know. And any of you who, you know, guys, you know, guys who have other brothers, you know, we, part of our routine is we beat up each other and we persecute each other. You know, in our house, it was Eddie. We loved to persecute Eddie, you know, because he was such an easy target. And uh, it was hilarious, you know. It wasn't so funny to him, but it was funny to us. But that's kind of a normal thing with brothers. But with Joseph and his brothers, it really got out of control. And they got to the point where they hated him. And here God at 17 years of age, a young man, God speaking into his heart and life and giving him visions of the future and showing him how he's going to be greatly blessed and greatly favored. I'm sure Joseph was just jazzed about it, man. This is great. Look what God's going to do with me. Hoochie mama. I'm going to the top, baby. All the way to the top. It's going to be great. You guys are going to check me out. The brothers had it with him. And they said out in their heart, they're going to kill him. Now when your brothers are trying to kill you, you got issues, you know what I'm saying? But this, they, they hated him so much. And they were going to kill him. And Reuben, one of the brothers, stood up for him and said, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's do something else with him. So they devised another plan and they sold him into slavery. Now this is, you know, 5,000, however many years ago. This is, this is a brutal time in the world. And they sold him off as a slave. So here he's betrayed by his very family. The family who should love him. The family who should support him. The family, you know, and it's easy in family to, to kind of lose it with each other. Boy, talk about losing it here. And they sold him off. And now he's a slave. And suddenly, instead of becoming these great, wonderful blessings that God had put in his heart, all of a sudden he is suffering miserably. 
And he begins now for the next 13 years of his life to experience what arguably would be hell for any of us. Sold off into slavery, eventually he gets sold off to a guy named Potiphar. He's an Egyptian guy and and, uh, Joseph starts working for him and he's in charge of everything in the house. And the Bible says that Joseph was quite the stud muffin. And uh, not exactly those words, but that's basically my translation. But they, he was quite, they didn't say stud muffin back then, but that, that's what they said. You know, hey, he was a good looking boy. And Potiphar's wife's got the hots for him and kept, kept hitting on him. Say, come here, big boy. Come here, big boy. Come here. And he said, no, no, man, I am going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And uh, one day uh, she went to grab him and he took off running, which is a good thing to do, by the way. And he took off first. I mean, I am not going to do this. I'm not going to sin against God. And I'm not going to sin against my master. Well, when he took off, she held on to his jacket. And she got so angry, as you can imagine. Nobody likes being spurned like that. And then she took his jacket and claimed that he had tried to rape her. And after doing the right thing, the moral thing, the good thing, the righteous thing, he got accused of something he didn't do. And then he got sent to prison. Now his life was kind of miserable to start with. Now he goes and he's in a dungeon. Now we're not talking Brown County lock up here. We're not talking 2008 penal institutions in the United States of America. We're talking thousands of years ago. And this was a dungeon. And you can imagine the hell. And the misery. And the stench. And the discomfort and the darkness. That Joseph was now experiencing and he ended up in this dungeon facing a life with no hope and you know sometimes when you read the bible you think well this happened this happened we get the impression that it was like you know a few days or a couple of weeks this stuff took years we know that he was in the dungeon alone for years talk about an opportunity to get bitter and angry with god talk about a chance to question does god really love me you know it's real easy for us you know, when God's blessing us, when things are going easy, yeah, that's fabulous, that's great. That's when we sing and we praise God and life is groovy. And we're, but then, then things go south. And then what do you do? Sadly, so many of us, we get bitter and we complain and we point to God and say, God, why did you let this happen to me? And, and we lose our faith. Joseph, amazingly, In the midst of what had to be hell for him. Maintained his faith and trust in God through all these years. How do you do that? How do you get to a place that after a year you pray and year you pray. Another year goes by you pray again. Another And after 13 years. And it seemed like things kept getting worse. It didn't get better. They got worse. And now he's in this pit dungeon he was serving in the jail but his bed was in a dungeon and then I'm sure when he probably thought nothing would ever change I mean how do do you how do you get up that morning and think wow it'll be different today how do you get up that morning after failure after failure after failure after day and night and day and night and day and night of suffering how do you wake up one morning and think oh today will be different I don't doubt that he probably thought it would be just another day like any other day but over at 
the castle, the palace, Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, the ruler of the known world, has a dream. Kind of an odd dream. It was a cow dream, a dream about cows, of all things. He had a dream about seven fat cows. And then all of a sudden, seven ugly skinny cows. And then the seven skinny ugly cows ate the fat pretty cows. That would be a pizza dream to me, okay? But, but Pharaoh knew there was something about this dream. He knew it. when God talks to you, I'm telling you, you know something's different. You can tell. It might be a word somebody says to you. It might be something a pastor preaches from the pulpit. It might be a scripture that you read, an event somewhere. But somehow, some way, it might be a still small voice. But you know, wow, God is talking to me. And he didn't know what it meant. So Pharaoh calls for all his buds and all the, the, the people of Egypt, the ones who practice the black arts and, and magic and all these sorcerers and, and these wise men who came. And he said, what does this mean? And nobody had a clue. And then someone who had met Joseph in prison said, you know, I met this guy in prison and he interpreted a dream for me and, 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 and another guy. Maybe he can do it. So we pick up the story in Genesis, the 41st chapter, in verse 14. It says, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and Joseph was quickly brought from the dungeon. He's in the dungeon. And then they had to shave him and change his clothes. Why? Because he reeked. He reeked. I mean, this is this is filthy, hairy, filthy, smelly guy in the dungeon. They clean him up, and then he comes before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream. Nobody can tell me what it means. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph says, well, I can't. But God can. God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And then Joseph starts to tell him. God reveals to him the dream. He says, those seven fat cows is God telling you that you're going to have seven years of unparalleled prosperity. Ooh, sounds like good times. He says, man, you guys, your fields, you're going to bring in so much food and, and success, you, you, you won't be hardly able to take it all in. But then there's seven skinny cows means there's going to be a famine that's going to ravage the land and consume everything. Multitude, millions of people would have died had God not told Pharaoh about this and they prepared. And Joseph said, what you need to do is you need to store up. The reason God spoke to you about this You need to store up during the good years so that you have for the bad years. And he said, what you need to do is you need to give this a high priority. You need to find someone who you can put in charge of this to watch over the thing. I don't think Joseph was fishing for a job. I don't think he had that kind of confidence after 13 years in hell. He's just giving Pharaoh advice. You really need to take this seriously. You need to put someone in charge of this so that they can watch over this and you can be prepared for this incredible famine. Well, something I think totally shocking happens to Joseph when we read about it in verse 41. So Pharaoh says to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. Now, this is no small deal. You carry the signet ring of the Pharaoh. You have unparalleled power and authority. He now carried the ring of the Pharaoh on his hand. And Pharaoh dressed him in robes of fine linen, decked him out. He looked great. And he put a gold chain around his neck. He's got the bling thing happening. It's all good. 
I got the power, I got the money, I got the bling. And it wasn't over yet. He got him the cool looking Cadillac. He had him ride in a chariot as a second in command as one of these Cadillacs with sirens on it. But back then, sirens were human beings. So he actually had, check this out, he had men shout before him, make way. Now talk about a lousy job. What do you do for a living? I'm a siren. <laughs> what do you do? I just go, woo, 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 woo. It's got a good dental plan though, you know, but that's what I do. I'm just a siren. So he's got this tripped out chariot. People running in front of him so nobody got in the way. Move, 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 move. Here comes now the second most powerful man in the world. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all of Egypt. He gives him everything. Total power. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephaneth, Paneah, and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. So he gets the money, he gets the power, he gets the bling, he gets the Cadillac, and he gets the babe. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. Check it out. Joseph's life in that morning wasn't worth two cents. Hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, accused of doing wrong even when he was doing right. Ended up in a dungeon facing life with no hope. Life got more and more complicated for Joseph. And all hope seemed to vanish. And in one day, in one day, he woke up in a dungeon and went home like a king. In a single day, he went from the most, the biggest pit of life and God lifted him up to the second most powerful man in the world in one day. Not even a hint that things were going to get better. Not even a sign of hope for this young man. But in a day, God took his worst and turned it into the best life imaginable. You know, Satan wants to convince people that it's too far gone for them. He wants to come to you and convince you that your life has gotten too complicated. That you're too much of a mess. You think, yeah, well, if I'd have done this, it would be okay. Or if I'd have been a better Christian, it would have been okay. If I hadn't made this mistake, and if my life hadn't got complicated, well, then, then yeah, God could use me. Yeah, it's, it's just too complicated now. Everybody's got their story. You know, it's so com- my life is so complicated. You know, I've been divorced. Some of you, I've been divorced twice. Some of you, I've been divorced three times. You talk about a mess. My life is a mess. My whole family situation. I've lost my job. The stock market's going crazy. It's too hard for me. It's gotten too complicated. It's become too much for me. That's what Satan tries to convince you. You know, you ever see those those uh, puzzles that people like to make these brain teaser puzzles 
poor baby, it's not my fault. But uh, <laughs> those, you know, like Rubik's cube or or those, you know, little hooks and stuff. People come up with these brain teasing puzzles, and and they call it fun. <laughs> Life isn't hard enough. You need to torture yourself with an unsolvable puzzle. But people like these things. You know, they get these things. Eee, I hate them. It makes me crazy. Just reminds me how dumb I am. <laughs> but some of them are doozies, man. They are complicated. But I got news for you. There is not one puzzle ever developed by man that God cannot solve. Just like that. Your life might seem like a complicated Rubik's Cube that nobody can find the combination to. But I want you to know something. In a single day, God can unscramble the mess you're in and turn your life around. He woke up a prisoner but went to bed like a king in a single day. The encouragement in all of this. And by the way, finally the dream that he had at 17 became a reality. You know, you see this oftentimes in the Bible. Oftentimes the dream that God puts in your heart takes years to fulfill. 13 years could have been Moses. Moses, man, that poor guy. 40 years. 40 years from the time he tried to set his people free. And they turned on him. And he wound up on the backside of the desert. Raising goats and sheep and chickens and whatnot. 40 years had passed. And then God said, okay, it's time. So I'm too old. I'm, I'm in my 60s. I'm in my 70s. It's too low. I wasted my life. I want you to know something. It's never too anything with God. I know you're, some of you are dealing with things. You think, man, when is this going to go away? Every day I'm dealing with the same challenge. Every day. And just when I think things have gotten bad, they get worse. What am I going to do? And you're freaking out and you're fretting. But fret not. In a single day, God can turn it around for you. Jesus said this. He said, peace I live with you. Leave with you. My peace I give to you. This is my peace he's talking about. I do not give as the world gives. Why? The world's peace is dependent on situations. On circumstances. Man, we're all at peace when everything is good. We're all at peace when the stock markets are rising up. We're all at peace when everybody's got a job, when everything is good and you're healthy and nothing's going wrong. Yeah, we have peace. That's, that's the world's peace, you see. Dependent on circumstances. As soon as that stuff starts going south. Ah! Our nation today is just full of despair and fear and paranoia because of tough times. But Jesus said, the peace I give you is different than that. You see, the peace he gives is not dependent on circumstances. The peace he gives is when the stock market is in the toilet, you're still praising God on top of the roof. The peace of God is even when the doctor tells you you've got cancer, you smile at him and say, that's okay. Our hope is not in you. It's in God. He has the final say. The world's peace is you lost your job. You should be miserable. But no, but God's peace is saying, you know what? I may have lost my job, but God has it all under control. My hope and my faith and my trust is in him. And Jesus says this, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I love that. Do not let your hearts. What does that mean? 
Your heart cannot get troubled unless you let it. If you're a believer and you have Jesus Christ living inside of you, the only way your heart can lose it and become fearful is if you let it. And he says, don't do that. You see, at some fundamental level, fear is a choice. Despair is a decision. Worry is a deliberate exercise. Jesus says, don't do that. Why not? Because he's made a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. We read a story in the New Testament. Jesus and the disciples, they're out on a boat. And this horrible storm kicks up. And the Bible says these guys were afraid for their lives. Now, we're not talking guys like me. Okay? A big boat goes by and shakes my boat. I start freaking out. Because I can't swim very well. And I don't know nothing about the water. Except that it can kill me. These guys had been on the water all their lives. These were tough, hardened men. Fishermen by trade. Who had seen it all. And the Bible said they were terrified. Wow. That had to be one Ho-Chi-Mama storm. These guys were scared to death. And the Bible says... Jesus was sleeping in the boat. Hello? Hello? Housekeeping? Hello? And they said to him, Don't you care that we're going to drown? Oh my goodness, if that isn't a prayer Christian say all the time, God, don't you care? Why? Because he's sleeping. The storm is rocking. We could be killed. How can you just sleep there and do something? And Jesus got up and he rebuked a lot of them. He said, you bunch of girly men, quit freaking out. Now, you'd think they'd have taken offense to that. Hey, I'm a, I'm a tough guy. I know a bad storm when I see it. Jesus said, knock it off! For crying out loud. Where's your faith? This boat isn't going anywhere. Because I'm in it. It will not sink. Because I'm in it. Your life will not sink. Why not? Because God is in your life. If you have God in your life, He's not going to let you sink. It might feel like you're going to sink. It might sense like you're going to go under. It might seem horrible to you. Jesus is in the boat with you. Yeah, but he's sleeping. Well, then lay down, take a nap with him for crying out loud. Quit freaking out. Jesus finally got up and said, knock it off. And the storm stopped just like that. And everybody went, Whoa, man, he says, knock it off, and it stopped just like that. See, people think the miracle is that he spoke and the storm calmed. I argue the miracle is was that he was sleeping in the middle of the storm. There's the miracle. God can turn your situation around just like that. He can calm the storm in your life.
Don't let your heart be troubled. Say, Pastor, I'm suffering. I get it. But the Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but hallelujah, joy comes in the morning. I don't know how long your night will be, but you need to understand something. God said, I will never, ever, ever leave you. It seems like it. It can feel like it. But when you let his peace run through your heart and his peace run through the blood in your veins and you can walk and praise God in the midst of the worst of circumstances, that, my friends, is pure gold. That is joy unspeakable and full of glory. When everybody around you should be freaking and panicking and coming unglued, do not let your heart be troubled. There's people this morning, their hearts are just troubled, worrying about what's going to happen on Tuesday. Who's going to win the election? Who's going to win the election? Who's going to win the election? I'll tell you what, whoever does, I don't think God's going to go, oh, I didn't think that would happen. <laughs> oh, myself, look at that. I, I didn't think that guy would win. Oh, God, we got to change everything. We got to change everything. That was not what I wanted to have happen. I'm telling you, he knows now, right now. And he's not freaked out one little whit. Well, I think we as Christians should be involved and do the right thing. People say, Pastor, how come you haven't said, a lot of people ask, how come you haven't said anything about politics? And stuff? You know, I just vote moral issues. That's what I always do. So, Pastor, I don't. I vote economic issues. Well, good for you. I'll tell you what, I would rather be in a poor country that honors God than a rich country that disses God. But, I, you know, I'm not going to get into it with people, you know. Honestly, I am convinced when the Antichrist comes to power, he'll do it with the votes of millions and millions of Christians. Just, yep, clueless as can be. Now, I don't think any of these guys is the Antichrist, so don't freak out. But, but I'm telling you what, God has it all under control. I refuse to let my heart be troubled. No matter what storms come, we can trust God. You say, but, but it's so dark, it's so dark, it's so dark. How do you not give up faith? Because in a day, God can turn your dungeon into the most incredible life. Just like that, in a single day. That's what our wonderful God can do. I'm going to invite all our ushers to come forward uh, right now in our campuses, in Point, over in Howard, down in the cafe, as well as here uh, in, in this sanctuary. And get ready to serve communion, and our musicians can come back on the platform, get ready to, to, to play for the, for the communion time. Joseph woke up a prisoner, went to bed like a king. My question to you is, how did you wake up this morning? Did you wake up full of despair? Was your heart troubled? Were you full of hopelessness? Do you lack peace in your life? Do you know the joy of having your sins forgiven? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never, ever experienced what we're talking about. You don't have that kind of peace. You don't have the peace of God in your heart. I got good news for you this morning. You can experience that by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Releasing, letting go, and letting God into your life. If you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong in your life, and put your faith in Christ. You can experience this wonderful peace. This wonderful forgiveness of sins. The wonderful blessings of God. You can start experiencing this God. Who can turn your life around like that. And it doesn't matter how complicated you think it is. It doesn't matter how far gone you think it is. It doesn't matter how deep 
and messed up you think it is, I'm telling you, there's not a puzzle God cannot solve just like that. Do you know this God? Have you experienced God's forgiveness in your life? I'd like everybody to bow your your heads in a word of prayer that's listening right now. And we're going to pray this prayer together. And if you'll pray this prayer, you can experience God's forgiveness in your life. We're about to take communion. This is about celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins. His body was broken so you could be whole. His blood was shed so he could wash away all the wrong you have ever done in your life. If you'll simply trust in him. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much. You went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins. Give me your peace. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.